Amen. I'm certainly glad for that marvelous grace. Amen. God is so good and manifests Himself to us in such goodness and power and love that uh, we can't help but celebrate Him today. So thank you for being here this morning to celebrate our Savior Jesus Christ today. I want to ask you to bow with me if you would and let's pray. Father in heaven, we're so thankful this morning for your marvelous grace, for your um, unconditional, undeserved love that you've shown us and that you've demonstrated by dying on a cross for us. Father, I just pray this morning as we celebrated you and celebrated our salvation through song this morning that you'll continue to help us understand the depths of your love in your word this morning. Father, I pray that you make your word alive to us today, that it comes to us and nurtures our soul and gives us strength, that your word would be to us the very thing that we need today. Father, I just pray for our church families this morning. So many things in each life, so many struggles, and Father, yet greater is he that's within us than he that's in the world. And so, Father, we just claim these promises to be true and right. So, Lord, as we look into your word this morning, open our hearts. Father, just calm the distractions in our minds and our thoughts now and help us just for a little while to think about you through your word. Father, I pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, this morning I want to invite you to turn your Bibles to John chapter 20. I want us to look at two verses at the end of John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31. Uh, with one of those being our Bible school verse this week. Uh, By the way, if you haven't noticed all the lush decorations and all the different uh, uh, arrangements in our church, then you might not be surprised to know it's Bible school week. So please pray for Bible school. One of those opportunities that we have throughout the year as a church to minister in a unique way to our community to share the truth with the children that God entrusts us with this week. Uh, You know, it's such an amazing opportunity that we have as a church to be able to uh, reach in our community and draw children and youth here and be able to have a concentrated time where we share the Word of God with them. We don't take that lightly, but it's a joy and a pleasure. And so please pray for Bible school this week. And our Bible school is about that very word that you're seeing on the screen behind me is to believe. Uh, We're calling the kids and inviting them and sharing many passages of Scripture with them to encourage them to believe in Jesus Christ. You know, we as believers not only need to believe to begin with, to initiate that relationship, but our life as Christians is all about belief. It's about faith. It's about exercising day by day uh, the very thing of trusting God with our lives, trusting Him with our our future. It's, It's taking our lives and submitting them to the Lord Jesus Christ, and then ordering everything about our life around the Lord Jesus Christ. Believing makes Jesus Christ the center of our life and our existence. That we realize that everything that we are and everything that we have or hope to be comes because of that relationship that we have with Him. And listen, Jesus, in uh, honoring that belief that we have in Him, says that I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. You see, the key to abundant life, to fulfilled life, is believing in Jesus Christ, is trusting Him with everything. 
Uh, it's not holding certain parts of our life back for ourselves. Uh, it's not uh, withholding certain loyalties or devotions. But it's giving ourselves to Him. Paul called it a living sacrifice. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. That's real faith, isn't it? When we day by day wait to a new day, a new beginning, and realizing that we're giving that life that day to Jesus Christ and we're living it for Him and for His glory. Now, I've got to be honest with you. Sometimes I, I do okay with that uh, calling and with that uh, opportunity, but some days I'm not so good at it. But I'll tell you, it's, because, it's not because there's not a desire there. Uh, so we trust Him. Uh, listen to what John chapter 20, uh, verse 30 and 31 say. It says, And truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of His disciples, uh, which are not written in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in His name. You see... John writes about believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you study the book of John or if you've read it, you can't get very far into it and you can't go very far without seeing the word faith and belief and trust in Jesus Christ because the gospel of John is all about that very thing, about believing in Jesus Christ. Now listen, as you look at this passage of Scripture with me. I want you to see some things with me about it. Uh, first of all, I want you to see where's the source of belief. Well, we understand, no, it's Jesus Christ, but what about Jesus Christ becomes the source of our belief? One of the things that becomes the source of our belief is that it comes through His actions. What we know and understand Jesus did. Uh, listen to what John writes. He says, And truly, Jesus did many signs in the presence of His disciples. Isn't that great? That God gives us evidence to His actions that we can believe and have confidence and trust in Him. You know, for, for you and I to trust something, or let, let me just say this, for me to trust something, I need to have confidence in it. I need to be sure that it's going to work. I need to be sure that it's really what it says it is. Well, look, the Word of God gives us testimony and evidence that through the actions of God, through Jesus Christ, that we can believe God and trust Him. What are some of those things that the disciples saw that John's referring to here, all these signs that he performed before his disciples. Well, one of the things that we need to see and understand about his actions is that his actions came in the form of his service. If you look at the scripture and you see in the gospels how Jesus served people, you know, that gives me an understanding that the way that Christ serves says to me that he loves people. That he cares deeply about people. He's compassionate for people. Because you see in his service, who did he come to really to begin with? Or really mostly in his ministry. It wasn't those who could benefit him in this earth or in his life. But it was those who really had nothing to give back to him. Nothing that, that could help him in his stature here on this earth. Jesus came first of all to the poor, didn't he? He came to those who didn't have anything to give. Couldn't even support his ministry. And when Jesus began, gave up. A bottom line analysis of his ministry uh, and, and, and really the resources of his ministry. You know what he said? He said, birds have nests and foxes have holes, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Jesus could sum up the, the material value of his ministry as he didn't really have anything. Why? Because he loved those who couldn't really give anything back. And so he, um, 
minister to the poor. He ministered to the hurting. Uh, all, all the time, many times when you see Jesus, is He's is going to the brokenhearted. Those who are hurting, those whose lives have been cast and uh, into calamity and a great upheavals have happened. And so you find Jesus come along beside these folks and He's ministering to them. He's serving their, their needs and He's giving them service. So often we find Jesus not only with a broken heart and the poor, but, but He's certainly uh, with those that, um, that are the outcasts of society, isn't He? Those who no one else cared for, Jesus cared for them. He cared for those that society said were unworthy of even worshiping or even having a relationship with God. He cared for those that were outcast physically like the lepers who uh, no one would touch or no one would come near, yet Jesus received them and ministered to all those. You know why that's so important for you and I today? Is that there's nothing that we are or ever will be that Jesus will turn us away. He's given us proof in His service. We can come to Him. Brokenhearted, we can come to Him broke. (laughs) We can come to Him with nothing to offer. And He'll give us life and salvation. So they saw His service in His actions. His actions not only were in His service, but but, but in, in His signs, the things that He did. If you look at what Jesus was able to do here on earth, certain miraculous kind of things, right? Uh, We see that Jesus really had authority and dominion over all things that were created. Jesus had dominion over the weather when He stopped the storms and the seas from raging. Nature was subject to our Lord Jesus Christ. The physical world was subject to Him when He fed the 5,000 plus with a few fish and loaves that... He collected. And certainly sickness and death fled from Jesus Christ when He ministered to those that were lame and blind and sick. And He healed them and those that were dead that He raised. And in His own resurrection, Jesus demonstrated that we can believe in Him because He was raised from the dead. Not only his service and his signs give testimony to the actions that Jesus did. Hey, I've got several more, but his submission to the Father that everything that Jesus did, it was always the Father's will. Every miracle, every message, every act of ministry that Jesus did, he did because it was the exact will of the Father. Who else could do that but God? Who else could be so loyal and so consistent to what His calling was uh, if He weren't God? And so we see it in His submission to the Father's will. Not only that, but we see it also, His actions in, in His standards that He kept. You see, Jesus was someone of the high standards. As a matter of fact, His standards are so high that none of us can attain or do those things. Because Jesus lived a sinless life. Here on earth, all the temptations and all the things that you and I struggle with, we think our culture was bad today. Let me tell you, it was bad in Jesus' day as well. There are all forms of temptations and struggles and things that would draw Him 
away. If you think you're a target for Satan today, how much more do you think Jesus was a target for Satan? You see, but yet Jesus stayed faithful and he lived that sinless life so that he could fulfill the law. So that when we believe in him, the life that he lived, that we identify with his life. When God sees the life that Jesus Christ lives, that he, he, he reckons it to you and I as that same life. Because we can't live that sinless life. But Jesus did. He fulfilled all requirements for righteousness so that you and I could receive His righteousness from Him. It's amazing, isn't it? See that high standard. How about in His sacrifice? You see some things that are praiseworthy in that action? That Jesus Christ died on a cross for you and I? That He suffered when He didn't have to? Isn't that amazing that Jesus voluntarily suffered and bore our sins and took the penalty of our sins on Himself, took the wrath of God on Himself so that you and I could be set free and not have to endure that wrath. He was crucified and He didn't hate. All the insults that were hurled against Him, all the things that were said about Him, all the things that were done to him, the stripes, the crown, the nails, the spear, all the suffering that Jesus went through. He went through all that and he didn't hate. Some of the last words that Jesus said on the cross were, Father, forgive them for they don't understand what they're doing. Father, forgive them. Don't hold this against them because they don't know. And yet in Jesus' loving moments in His last breath, He cried out in intercession for you and I, Father, forgive them. Oh, tell me that that isn't somebody that we can't trust. But our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, how do we know that we can trust Him? Well, listen, how, how is that source of belief coming to our understanding? It comes through His actions. Let me give you another way that it comes, not only through His actions... But also, let me say that it comes to His revelation. That what He reveals to us, look at verse 31, the beginning. He says, but these things are written that you may believe. What is John saying? Is that there's a record of the life of Jesus Christ that's reliable and it was given so that you and I can believe. So, so our understanding or our resource or our source for belief not only comes through what Jesus did, but also what we know and understand about Him. You see, when we look at Scripture, it becomes a great testimony of who Jesus is. In the Bible, there's prophecies that, re- that are revealed in Scripture. You know, there's some that estimate there may be as many as 360 or 365 or many, many uh, prophecies, messianic prophecies about the Lord Jesus Christ. How that His coming fulfilled all these Old Testament prophecies and Scripture that really give us an insight into what was said about Him hundreds of years before He came that were fulfilled in Him and His life, His, His death, His birth. Uh, and they give evidence of Jesus Christ. There's prophecies not only messianic or about Jesus Christ, but there's other prophecies in the Bible that lend its reliability. Daniel made prophecies about kingdoms that would rise and fall and rise and fall. And you and I can look back in history and see the very truth in Daniel's prophecy. The Bible's reliable. 
and trustworthy when it speaks to all things, especially about our Savior Jesus Christ. Jeremiah spoke about Israel's captivity down to the year. And believe it or not, you better believe it. As absolutely as Jeremiah received from God and prophesied before Israel was taken into captivity. And the list goes on from Isaiah on through the prophets about the trustworthiness and the reliability. But you know what I get excited about is the person revealed in Scripture. Uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, who He is. Uh, how magnificent He is and how wonderful He is. And how much He cares about all of us. You know, another thing also in His revelation, if you think about the Bible, you, you know, you can't read the Bible without seeing the perspective relayed in Scripture. How the Bible speaks to the world. How the Bible speaks to the human condition. You look in the Bible and you see humanity for what it is, isn't it? I mean, fallen and sinful. Needing of a Savior, needing a new life, needing to be redeemed. I'm not trying to discourage you this morning. I'm trying to encourage you uh, that we don't have to stay in that state. That we have a Savior. He's Jesus Christ. And so the Bible is so accurate. You know, I read the Bible and think about my own life. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a reflection. James says it's like looking in a mirror. You know, sometimes we're okay with looking in a mirror. If we've been up and prepared ourselves a little bit and gotten looking lovely, we look in a mirror and we admire ourselves. Man, I look great. I look really so well. Uh, but sometimes when we look in the mirror before we've done all this work, it's not always a lovely sight. <laughs> it's like, gee, is that really me? <laughs> or, uh, uh, you know, maybe I need to do some things to make things a little better for my spouse. Okay? And so the Bible is that same thing that we look into it and we see the reflection of who we are. Right? You know, when I look in the Bible... You know, I, I want to look at things that reflect in the Bible uh, about my relationship with Jesus Christ. <laughs> so I look in the Bible, if I look in there for myself and my own reflection, then what I, what I find is, I, you know, I'm, I'm not too pretty. When I look in the Bible and understand who I am in Jesus Christ, then all of a sudden it's a wonderful thing. That I am forgiven. That I am made whole. That I'm His and I belong to Him. That I have an inheritance. I have a hope in heaven. That I'm forgiven of all my sin. And so, yet the Bible speaks in, in, in its perspective how, how it sees the world. It's true about the world and what the Bible says. You know, the Bible says that in the world today, we don't need to expect to be fulfilled in the world by the world. Because if we do, we're always going to be hungry and satisfied and left empty. And the Bible reflects that and relays that to us as believers. We shouldn't put our hope in the things of this life. The Bible says our citizenship's in heaven. Right? Not on earth, but in heaven. And so we shouldn't put our hope in the things of this earth. Well, not only that, but the Bible and His revelation also are the promises of reassurance in the Scripture. You know, the Bible is the place where we can go and be comforted. It doesn't matter what we're anxious about or what we're going through or how difficult 
things are right now. How broken hearted or how forlorn we are. How much we're in despair. The Bible is a place that we can go and find a place of comfort. A place of hope. A place to go and be healed. A place to go and be made well in the Scripture. It brings us comfort. Not only comfort, but hope. Out of all the despair and out of all the turmoil, that the Bible is a book of hope. You know, you read the Scriptures and you'll find out that a lot of things in the Bible and people's lives went wrong. I mean, there's a lot of things that went really wrong in a lot of people's lives. But always in the messages wound through Scripture is the message of hope. It may be difficult now, but it's going to get better. It may be hard right now, but things are going to get better. And for the believer, the ultimate hope is to be with Jesus Christ in heaven. Where that all things and all comfort will be enjoyed and felt. So there's comfort and there's hope, there's peace. The Bible is a book of peace because it's written by the Prince of Peace. And it, he says that we can have his peace in the world today. Isn't that amazing? And all the turmoil, the conflict, the uncertainties, struggles of life, that we can have the peace of God, the Bible says, which surpasses understanding. We need that peace today, don't we? Amen. I mean, really, we do. We need to be uh, uh, at a place where we can find peace. And all these things, Revelation testifies that we can trust Jesus Christ. His actions say that we can trust Jesus Christ. There's one other thing I want to throw in here that's not necessarily in this passage of Scripture, but we've been studying it Wednesday nights. And it's in the book of Romans. His creation. It comes through His creation. Uh, this, This source of belief that we can believe on God because of what He's created. Listen to what Romans chapter 1. Turn there in your Bibles really quickly with me if you would in Romans chapter 1. I want you to see a few verses in Romans chapter 1. Beginning at verse 18 and listen to what the Bible says about God's creation because creation is a source of our belief or it's a testimony that we can believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Paul writes this, Romans chapter 1, verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness because what, they, because what may be known of God is manifested in them for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world is invisible, attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. What's Paul saying here? That in God's creation we can be aware of God. That we can know that we need to trust. In verse 19, talks about that awareness of God as He created man and gave us a conscience. A sense of God's existence. A sense of God's reality. A sense of our need for God in our life. God created us that way. God created us to know Him. And He put in us a propensity to seek God. You know, man's gotten messed up throughout the the centuries and they've gone after other things, other gods, false gods, false religions. Why did they do that? Because there was something in them that wanted to worship God. They just were misplaced, misguided, misinformed. So they went after other gods. But it's there because God created us to be that way, to need Him. 
to want Him, to feel something in our lives that no one else can, that nothing else can. And so what do we do? We go after God. Um, Verse 20 talks about an awareness of God that's created around us, not in us, but around us, His creation. That, That God created the heavens and the earth. And that when He created the heavens and the earth, they give a testimony of the greatness of God. You talk about power. Paul mentioned the power, uh, His eternal power in Godhead. You know, when we look around at creation, how much power did it take to create everything? And yet the Bible says that God spoke all creation into existence. That, that He created all things. On the seventh day, He rested, right? And yet, how much power... God is a powerful God if He created all, and He did create all that He created. God is an intelligent God. When we think about the Godhead, if He created all the creation that we know and and the small amount that we understand as human beings, and yet God created it, and how intricate it is, and how involved it is, and yet God, just like that, created all things. Well, he must be smart, right? He must be powerful. So we can trust and put our faith in him. And so his creation, his revelation, his actions become the source of our belief, the place where God gives us testimony and evidence that he exists and that he wants to know us. But you know, that's not all that that John's saying here. Yeah, the source of our belief is in the Lord Jesus Christ. But look a little further in this passage of Scripture. So go back to John chapter 20. And, and what's the substance of, of belief? What is, what is it that God wants us to believe? Uh, if you look at verse 31, but these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ. You see, the substance of things that God wants us to believe is that Jesus saves. Jesus saves. He says all these things were written. Why? And all these things were given because, uh, so that you might believe that Jesus is Christ. You see, uh, Christ was His messianic title as Savior. That Jesus Christ saves. And as a matter of fact, He's the only one who saves. When Peter was brought before religious leaders in his day and persecuted. Here's what he said to them in his persecution and in their threats. He says, nor is there salvation in any other. For there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Peter, in threat of his life, testified about Jesus Christ as the only way. That He's the only hope. That He's the only way to salvation. Jesus said of Himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Me. You know, we can try to get to God uh, in, in all kinds of creative ways. We can try to justify our own life, our own goodness, our own hope, but yet we always fall short. We always fall short. It's only Jesus Christ. You know, we can reach out to humanity with all kinds of messages and, and, and all kinds of things. We can give all kinds of false paths to people, but yet... There's only one way. Jesus said, you know, broad is the way that leads to destruction. And and many are they that go that way. But he said, narrow is the gate that leads to life. You see, he is 
The only way. Jesus said, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. When Jesus talked to Martha and Mary about eternal life, listen to what He said. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in Me, though He may die, yet shall He live. He who lives uh, and, and, and believes in Me shall never die. And then He asked the sisters, do you believe this? You see the big question for you and I this morning, do we believe that Jesus saves? If we believe that Jesus saves, then we'll have eternal life and we'll be a part of that salvation in His family. So the question that we all have to answer, if you haven't answered it already in your life, is do you believe that Jesus saves? That He saves? You see, the substance of belief is to understand that Jesus saves. And then also look a little bit further in the same verse. He says not only that Jesus is Christ, but but the Son of God. You see, uh, it's Jesus is the Son. The substance of of our faith is that He saves and that He's God's Son. Now, you know, when we think about the Sonship of the Lord Jesus Christ, it, it really means His equivalency to God. He is God. And so what John is saying, that all these were written so that you'll know that Jesus is God. And so that everything that He did and everything that He said is, is, is truth. Because God is truth and the Scripture says He can't lie. And so we understand that if we believe that He can save, and we believe that He can save because He's God. And that becomes the substance of our, our belief. That's what His actions and... That's what revelation and that's what His creation points us all to, that Jesus saves and that Jesus is God. Well, John goes on with another answer to a question as well. Not only is the substance and source of our belief, but he answers the question, what is secured by our belief? Listen to what he says in the end of verse 31. And that believing you may have life in His name. You see, what do we, what, what do we secure by faith in Jesus Christ? Oh, well, let me say it like this. What does Jesus secure for us when we believe in Him? He secures our life, our redemption, our salvation. You see, life, uh, I, I looked up life uh, again in, a, in the, one of the Greek dictionaries. And one Greek dictionary dec- uh, defines this word life as this. It's not only life, but it's the means of life. In other words, it's how we live. It's what sustains us. It's the source of our life. It's the means by which we live. It's our substance. Jesus Christ is our means for life. He's our substance. He's everything about life. It's all in Him. Everything that we have that nurtures our life comes from Him. Everything that we have that can instruct us in life that has any value or worth to it comes through Jesus Christ. Everything that we are, the power to live, the power to be sustained, all come through Jesus Christ. He is our life. He redeemed us. He bought us back. We were dead, as um, Brother Rick read, in our trespasses and sin. But yet He made us alive. He redeemed us. He paid that price to make us alive. And so now we have our redemption, our life in Jesus Christ. But He goes on to say we have life in His name. 
speaks about our relationship. Our relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, I'm so glad today that God wants to know us. And He wants to have this relationship with us. And we have life in His name. That we take on His family name. The Lord Jesus Christ. And so we're a part of the family of God. Isn't that wonderful? You know, John wrote earlier in chapter 1 of his gospel. He says, but as many as receive Him, to them He gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in His name. Isn't that great? That when we believe on Jesus Christ, we're born into His family. We become one of His children. We, we become a, a part of an eternal family that can't be separated by anything. Now, you're here today and a lot of your family separated from you, aren't they? They're separated by distance. Maybe you've got family members that live on the other side of the country or the other side of the world and you're separated. Maybe you've got family members that are already in heaven and you're separated by life, by physical life. Maybe there's other ways that you're separated. But listen, the family of God will never be separated. No one can take you away from God. No one can dislodge or disrupt or divide that relationship that you have with the Lord Jesus Christ when you're born into His family. It's amazing. So we have our relationship. It's secured in Jesus Christ. Why? Because we believe in Him as our Lord and Savior. Now listen, what we believe affects some things in our life. What we believe affects how we live. If I really believe what I preached to you this morning then it's really going to affect how I live. It's going to really determine the choices and the decisions that I make. That every day that I wake, if I'm really believing what I'm seeing in Jesus Christ, then it's going to affect the things that I decide. It's going to affect what we love, isn't it? And really who we love and how we love people. Jesus said that how we love other believers really gives testimony to the world that we belong to Him. In other words, if, if I say I'm a Christian and I don't love you, then really am I speaking the truth? It affects what we, listen, what we leave as well. It's our legacy. It's our testimony. It's what we leave for those that come behind us. You know, at Garrison Baptist Church, it's my greatest prayer that when this group of people that are here in this worship service, when we leave, that we'll have left a legacy of faith in Jesus Christ and believing in Him. That one day, years down the road, if the Lord hadn't returned, that there'll be another group in here doing Bible school. And they'll be sowing seeds in that next generation and they'll leave a heritage of faith. So this week, as you pray about Bible school, pray that God will help us to leave that legacy of the Lord Jesus Christ. That we'll pass it on to the kids that we're about to minister to. And that we'll encourage them to believe in Jesus Christ the way we believe in Him, the way we trust Him. You see, John encourages us today to believe. To believe that he saves and that He is He is the Savior. Bow with me if you will.